I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Story one. Myself and three other guys, we're sitting in camp just after the holidays, getting stuff set up for the crew to come in the next week. The camp was in the middle of nowhere in the inlets of the west coast of British Columbia. Tilt's arm to be exact. Anyways, all of us were in the camp house, just finished dinner and playing some crib having drinks. All of a sudden, we hear the door of the camp house close and a male voice say hello. All of us heard it spooked as hell. We all investigate. Find no trace of anyone in the camp. 
The only way in was by boat or plane. Second story. Not mine heard from a few old-timers I've worked with. Back in the 80s, they were logging an old growth site on Indian land. One mechanic found an old Indian grave in a hollowed-out cedar. Decided to take the skull and bring it back to the shop. Everyone told him to bring it back to where he found it, which he did. A few days later, he was working underneath a jacked-up fat truck, and the jacks let go and crushed him dead. I've been into lots of Indian areas on the coast and have had the hairs on my neck stand up multiple times. Hiked into a lake one time and had boulders being thrown into a lake and howling going on. We got the F out of there pretty quick. I've read a few native folklore books about the coast and they can't be wrong with what I've seen and heard through the years. The night was thick with an eerie stillness as I patrolled the campsite. The recent rash of nocturnal attacks had left campers terrified and scarred, their injuries a haunting reminder of the terrors that lurked in the darkness. Determined to uncover the truth behind these harrowing encounters, I delved into Reddit accounts, desperate for answers. The horror stories I discovered chilled me to the bone. People spoke of being stalked by creatures known as the Night Howlers, cryptids with the appearance of humanoid wolves and glowing red eyes. The stories described relentless assaults, blood-curdling howls, and a primal fear that clung to their every step. Armed with this newfound knowledge, my fellow rangers and I set out to protect the campers and unearth the mystery that shrouded these cryptids. We fortified the campsite, implementing additional security measures to ward off the night howlers' advances. But we knew it was merely a temporary solution. As night fell, we stationed ourselves at strategic points, our senses on high alert. The moon cast an ethereal glow, casting long shadows that seemed to dance with every rustle of the trees. An oppressive silence weighed upon us as we waited, ready to confront the creatures that haunted the campsite. Suddenly, piercing howls shattered the tranquility, sending a chill down my spine. The night howlers emerged from the darkness, their glowing red eyes fixated on their prey. Their snarls reverberated through the night, an ominous symphony that struck fear into our hearts. With calculated precision, we fought back. Flashes of light cut through the shadows as we brandished our flashlights and fired warning shots into the air. The night howlers hesitated, their savage instincts momentarily disrupted. It was a temporary reprieve, but it gave us the opportunity to devise a plan through trial and error, we began to unravel the secrets behind these creatures. We learned that they were sensitive to bright light and loud noises, exploiting this weakness to create deterrence that kept the campsite safer. Yet, we couldn't ignore the fact that these cryptids posed a real threat to both campers and ourselves. Night after night, we patrolled the campsite, facing the relentless assaults of the night howlers. Each encounter brought us closer to understanding their patterns, their vulnerabilities, and the dark forces that brought them to our realm. Finally, the pieces of the puzzle fell into place. The night howlers were not mindless predators. They were victims of an ancient curse that bound them to the campsite. Guided by this revelation, we embarked on a mission to break the curse, freeing both the night howlers and the campers from the cycle of terror. With the knowledge we had acquired, we performed a ritual under the moonlit sky. Ancient words whispered on the wind, intertwining with our collective determination 
A surge of energy pulsed through the campsite, dispelling the curse that held the Night Howlers captive. As the curse shattered, the Night Howlers let out one final mournful howl before fading away into the night. The campsite fell silent once again, the air heavy with a mix of relief and exhaustion. We had succeeded in protecting the campers and freeing the Night Howlers from their tortured existence. In the aftermath of this ordeal, we took steps to ensure the campsite remained secure, prepared for any future threats that may arise. The memories of those nights plagued by the night howlers would forever be etched in our minds, a reminder of the resilience of both human and cryptid alike. From that moment forward, the campsite flourished, its visitors blissfully unaware of the horrors that had once plagued it. The tale of the night howlers would fade into the realm of campfire stories, a reminder to tread cautiously in the wilderness where mysteries and cryptids coexist in the shadows of the night. We sometimes stay at a cabin in an isolated area on Vancouver Island. For those of you who aren't familiar with the geography, it is rocky coastal climate with similar vegetation to Oregon. My sister, my cousin, and myself, all in our early twenties at the time, had driven into town, about 45 minutes away, for a late-night movie. Driving back to the cabin at night is never fun, very isolated, spotty cell reception, hairpin turns, black darkness due to the isolation and lack of street lamps or cabin lights, and lots of deer, so you have to keep your eyes peeled. This night was even worse because it was very foggy coming in from the right side of the road, and even with our brights from our truck, we could barely see past it. My cousin is also a bit of a reckless driver and was taking the turns a bit fast for my liking. It was stressful to say the least and completely eerie, so when one of us spoke up to say they were feeling spooked, all three agreed. So we get to an isolated stretch with literally nothing but forest to our right and a steep incline to our left, and suddenly onto the shoulder of the road and out of the fog steps a boy. He looked about no more than twelve years old, and he was just standing on the shoulder of the road from the forest watching as our car drove by. <sighs> I get creeped out just typing this. He wasn't injured, was not trying to flag us down or get our attention necessarily. Beyond his mere presence on the side of the road in this ridiculously isolated area, at midnight in the fog... It had a very neutral expression on his face, which was surprising, given that we probably almost blinded him with our brights. We freaked out. My cousin almost swerved off the road. My sister was sitting in the back and didn't pay attention until my cousin swerved. She looked in the rear view, assuming we had just narrowly avoided a deer, and in a nervous voice said, Um, I think I'm seeing things, but did you guys just see a boy on the side of the road in the fog? Once we confirmed that None of us were hallucinating. We debated turning back, and in retrospect, we probably should have pulled over to see whether he was a runaway or in an accident, and then if he needed help, but we were way too freaked out and just continued on. To this day, I cannot figure out why he would have been out there, and it sends shivers down my spine to think about it. I like to hike out in the forest in Northern California a lot, hunting mushrooms. One day I'm out in the woods, not a soul around, and I hear the extremely eerie wail of an earthquake siren. 
They must have been testing it, but being out in the middle of the woods and hearing that was like being in Silent Hill. It continued for several minutes, not a normal siren either. A really long, drawn-out, up-and-down wail of a siren, the kind that would give you chills on a sunny day. I live out in the cornfields. I used to hike my neighbor's cornfield all the time with permission from my neighbor who owned the cornfield. He knew my family because my dad dated his daughter way back when, and he liked him. Of course, my dad and his daughter broke up, but he still liked my dad, even more so when my mom and dad became his neighbors. He had a brook running through the cornfield for natural irrigation. This brook was part of a river that spanned pretty much the whole county, and it entered on his property in a forest. That was on the edge of his property and my other neighbor's property. It was 100% his property, and not mine nor the other neighbor's. So one day, when I was young, I followed this brook to the forest, simply because it was summer and I had no school and nothing better to do. What I found was this nice little waterfall, not too big and not too small. It was perfect, especially with the canopy of the forest covering it. It was my little hideaway from the rest of the world. When we had a dry spell, I would go there and relax on the bank of the brook and look at all the minnows and spawn that had been swept away from farther upstream. But it had been raining and the entire area was flooded, so I couldn't even get to it, let alone relax on the bank. After so many years in Cub Scouts and Scouts, I learned the importance of keeping that area clean, and I did just that. I followed what I learned from scouting and left no trace because it was a beautiful rhea and I wanted to preserve it for my next visit. Well, that all changed when the other neighbor died and a family with young kids moved into an old house. Remember, this wasn't their property, but it was close to it. One day I went there and I found what could only be described as a war scene. The waterfall had been diverted, the brook had been dammed, and there were toys and plastic bottles and wrappers everywhere. I knew immediately this was the doing of my new neighbor's kids. This place of nature and peace had become the playground for a bunch of inconsiderate children. The minnows and spawn were almost gone. I saw buckets full of them, so my only guess is that the kids were collecting them and keeping them as pets. The most messed up thing I have ever seen is an area that everyone would consider beautiful and peaceful turned into a playground for inconsiderate children who could care less what they leave behind or do to it. I had always been drawn to the tranquility of nature, which is why I became a park ranger. When I was assigned to Hollow Grove Park, I was thrilled. The park was shrouded in a serene beauty that made me feel at ease. Yet, there was something odd about this place that I couldn't quite put my finger on. The first thing I noticed was the mushrooms. They were everywhere in shapes and sizes I had never seen before. They had an uncanny appearance their oddly shaped caps and twisted stems weaving an intricate tapestry across the park. The fauna and flora seemed to behave strangely around these mushrooms. The birds would avoid flying over them, and the usually adventurous squirrels would scamper away at their sight. The flowers around the mushrooms seemed to bloom less brightly, and the grass seemed to grow less green. Soon, visitors started reporting sightings of a strange creature. They described it as a bizarre cryptid that seemed to sprout from the fungi itself. 
It was said to move with an eerie grace, its form undulating and shifting as it moved amidst the mushrooms. The reports unnerved me. As a park ranger, it was my duty to ensure the safety of the park and its visitors. I decided to investigate to uncover the origins of this cryptid and its connection to the mushrooms. As night fell, I ventured into the park, armed with a flashlight and a resolve to find answers. I moved slowly, my eyes scanning the illuminated patches of earth for any sign of the creature. After what felt like hours, I saw it. In a clearing filled with mushrooms, it emerged. It was unlike anything I had ever seen. It was a part of the mushrooms, yet separate. It moved with an uncanny grace, its form constantly shifting and changing. It seemed to be a part of the park itself, a manifestation of the mushrooms that dominated the landscape. I realized then that this cryptid was not a threat, but a guardian. The mushrooms were a part of its life cycle, its form and existence tied to their growth. It was an essential part of the ecosystem, maintaining a balance, but something was disrupting this balance. The excessive growth of the mushrooms was a sign of a deeper problem, a symptom of an imbalance in the park's ecosystem. I spent the following weeks working tirelessly conducting soil tests and studying the park's flora and fauna. My efforts paid off when I discovered an invasive species of plant that was leaching nutrients from the soil, causing the mushrooms and, in turn, the cryptid to multiply in an attempt to restore balance. With the help of the park's management, we implemented a plan to remove the invasive plants and restore the park's natural harmony. It was a long process, but we eventually managed to contain the situation. The mushrooms returned to their natural numbers, and the sightings of the cryptid became rare. The park returned to its peaceful state, its serenity no longer marred by the unsettling growth of mushroom. I often think back to that strange cryptid, a creature born of nature's resilience. It serves as a reminder of the delicate balance of our ecosystems, and the strange and wonderful ways in which nature asserts itself. My son was riding a four-wheeler in the mountains. While riding up a steep trail, he came across a very strong odor, a cross between a bear and a skunk, but much more obnoxious, unlike that of a bear or a dead carcass. We are avid, knowledgeable hunters, aware of our environment and the habits and smells of animals, when something is very different and out of the ordinary. We take note that the odor was gone on his return trip down the trail, a steep road to a tower. He said the odor, being so strong and obnoxious, made him feel a little scared, knowing that it wasn't the usual and that we are aware of the existence of such creatures as Bigfoot though having not seen one. The weather was cool and a nice riding day. It was sometime early spring or summer, possibly around April, and a mountainous area of few roads, but where there was a rocky road going up to a lookout tower. It was steep terrain and tall timber, and the road is not used except by those using the tower. A friend and I saw something several years back. It was very thin, and its skin looked as if it had a full-body latex suit on. Very shiny, 
bone structure in its face, but no eyes or orifices. You could see the ribs. Head was elongated and fingers long and pointy. Had a peculiar-looking gait to it. This was late at night, and the creature was directly under a security light in my friend's backyard. We had been sitting quietly in his truck. This thing walked up, not noticing us. Maybe fifteen feet in front of us, directly under the security light. My friend screamed, and it jumped and faced us. It then took off towards the woods. We had been gone for a while, and just sitting in the driveway, chilling before we went in. We had actually pushed the truck to the house because we had ran out of gas right before we got back to his house. We finally got brave enough to run into the house, but the door was locked, and he didn't have a key because it never locked the house. Then we go around the house to try to get through his bedroom window, only to find that it was open. Not only was it open, but the screen was wadded up and shredded on the ground. Anyone have any idea what this thing could have been? This was in 1996 and 97. I've never been able to figure it out. I've spent years hunting in the wilderness, but nothing could have prepared me for the swamps of Louisiana. Local hunters had been disappearing, vanishing into thin air, and it was my team's job to find out why. We were confident, even cocky assured that our skills and experience would see us through. How wrong we were. The bayou was like another world, a maze of stagnant water and twisted trees draped with Spanish moss. The air was heavy, the silence only broken by the occasional croak of a bullfrog or the splash of unseen creatures beneath the murky water. We began our search for the missing hunters, aware that we were heading into the lair of something unimaginable. We found the first sign on the third day, a boot, half sunk in the mud, still warm. It belonged to one of the missing hunters. That's when we felt it for the first time. A prickle on the back of our necks, the sense of being watched. As we delved deeper into the swamp, that feeling grew stronger. It was on the fifth day that we finally saw it. A creature, massive and terrifying, its eyes glinting in the dim light. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. A grotesque combination of reptile and mammal, covered in thick mottled scale. It moved with a surprising speed, disappearing into the undergrowth before we could react. The game had changed. We were no longer the hunters. We were the hunted. Our numbers dwindled as the creature picked us off, one by one, our weapons seeming to have no effect on it. It was a nightmare, a waking nightmare, and the swamp was its domain. In the end, it was just me and the creature. I could see it circling me, its eyes glowing in the darkness. I knew it was my due, or die moment. I had to face this monster and put an end to the terror it had unleashed upon the swamps. Adrenaline coursed through my veins as I steadied my rifle, taking aim at the creature's menacing eyes. It lunged at me, its jaws wide open, and I pulled the trigger. The shot rang out, and the creature let out an unearthly screech before collapsing to the ground. I cautiously approached its fallen body, my heart pounding, my breath ragged. It lay there motionless, its twisted, grotesque form a testament to the terror it had wrought. I'd done it. I'd killed the creature, avenged my fallen comrades, and put an end to the nightmare. But as I reached out to touch its scaly hide, the unimaginable happened. The creature's body began to fade like mist dissipating in the morning sun. Within moments it was gone leaving me standing in the swamp, bildered and alone.
I searched the area, desperate to find some trace of the creature I'd just slain. But there was nothing. No blood, no tracks, no body. It was as if it had never existed. I returned home, haunted by the events in the swamp. My friends and family listened to my tale with disbelief. But I swore it was the truth. I knew what I'd seen, what I'd fought, and what I'd killed. But without the body, I had no proof. The swamps had swallowed the creature, just as they had swallowed the missing hunters. The mystery of the Louisiana swamps remained unsolved, and I was left with the chilling knowledge that somewhere out there, the creature might still be lurking, waiting for its next victim. Late last night, my daughter, 21, her friend, 21, and I, 43, had spent the evening at a drag show in Galveston, Texas. After the show, we decided to drive down to the beach for a few minutes before we headed home. The beach we usually go to was kind of a far drive from where we were, and it was almost 3 a.m., so we decided to pull into a beach access that we had never been to before. I pulled in and drove around in a circle to shine the headlights in a 360 so we could kind of scope out the area before we got out. I parked next to a trash can, kind of close to the dunes. As soon as we got out of the car, I felt a heaviness, hard to explain. Just something felt weird, and my intuition was to get back in the car immediately and leave. I wish I would have. I didn't find out until later that my daughter and her friend had the same feeling. There was no moon, so the only light was from a few beach houses on the other side of the dunes. I keep a huge batten flashlight slash taser in my car, so I grabbed it and we walked down to the water. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I saw my daughter's friend turn around really fast and look back towards the car. She had heard a sound coming from the direction of the dunes. She grabbed my flashlight and pointed it towards my car, and she and I both saw something standing right up against my car. Neither of us were exactly sure of what we were looking at because it seemed to fade away when the flashlight hit it. It was so hard to describe, but it was like you could only see it in the edge of the light from the flashlight, like it only existed between light and dark. I grabbed the flashlight back and shined it directly where it was standing and it was gone. Just kind of disappeared. It was very surreal. This heaviness that I felt when we first got there was suddenly unbearable and we all knew we had to leave as quickly as possible. But we were all kind of frozen in fear. We slowly made our way back to the car, but as we got close, my daughter and her friend saw the same figure crouch down next to the trash can with its back facing them. It was eerily silent as we ran to the car, jumped in, and sped off. It was complete silence in the car for a few minutes until we got down the road a bit. Then I asked if they wanted to talk about what we just saw, and we all just collectively freaked the absolute F out, tears, and everything. My daughter only saw it from the front for a split second, but her friend and I looked directly at it, and we both described exactly the same thing. Judging by the height of my car, we estimated it to be at least six feet two, six feet five. It was very tall and slim. It had a human shape, but the face was just kind of blank, with two black spaces where eyes should be like the eyes were there, just really sunk in. Its face kind of had the shape of a long Gandalf-type beard, but it was fleshy, not hair. It had really long arms, one of which was resting on the top of my car on the back passenger door. 
It seemed to be wearing what looked like a robe, but it was part of the creature. Like his flesh was in the shape of long robe sleeves. No hands, just long fleshy flaps. It was just standing there kind of slouching, like it wasn't standing up all the way. And it just stared blankly at us, almost through us. When I say a heavy feeling, we could physically feel some sort of presence as soon as we had gotten there. I personally have never felt so much anxiety, fear, and terror in my life. I have no idea what the F we saw, but there is definitely a lingering, wary feeling through my whole body. Since it happened that I can't seem to shake, my daughter says she feels the same way. Every time we talk about it, we get chills. I'm super bad at drawing, but I tried my best to draw what I saw. My name is Corporal Isaac Martinez, and I was part of a five-man National Guard unit dispatched to the remote town of Elk Ridge, bordering Sequoia National Park. The call for evacuation came after the local sheriff's office was flooded with reports of a terrifying creature, a doman. As night cloaked the town, the beast made its presence known, its guttural growls echoing through the night. It was unlike anything we had faced before, a monstrous hybrid of man and beast. The mission had turned from evacuation to survival. We fought, not just for ourselves, but for the terrified citizens we had sworn to protect. Amidst the chaos, we started piecing together a horrifying possibility. The dogmen. Could it be one of our own? One of our friends who had gone missing in these woods months ago? The reality hit us like a punch to the gut. We were not just fighting a creature, we were fighting a brother. A man who once stood by our side now, a monstrous predator. The creature was relentless. One by one my comrades fell. I could still hear their screams, their desperate pleas for mercy. But the beast showed none. It was just me, alone and cornered, waiting for my end. But the end didn't come. The dogman, it just spared me. I don't know why. I collapsed from exhaustion, the adrenaline finally wearing off. The next day I was found by park rangers, delirious and shaken. As they helped me to my feet, one of them recoiled. Your teeth, he stammered. I ran my tongue across my teeth, feeling the sharp points of new, abnormal fangs. The rangers and I shared a look of horrified understanding, but we knew this had to stay silent. What happened in Elk Ridge would be buried along with my fallen brothers. The world would never know the truth. I was left with a burden, a secret, and a horrifying reality. The dogman was gone, but maybe, just maybe, a part of him was now a part of me.